We're going to be in John 18 uh, today. Uh, we'll be going around a couple places, but we're going to basically stay John 18, focusing on verses 1 through 9. Uh, today, we're going to be uh, talking about uh, what's lost. Uh, we're going to be talking about the difference between Jesus and God uh, handling loss and how human beings handle being lost. What uh, is the difference? And I know some of us have pretty much there's a big difference there, but we're going to discuss that. Uh, just so you know, John 18, what's happening right here is this is right before Jesus is going to be, uh, you know, he's, this is him being taken, arrested. And this is right before he goes to court and he's going to be tried and killed. But this is right after uh, Jesus' famous prayer. Uh, about the unity of God, Jesus, and the believers, and knowing Him, and them being all connected. And we talked about that in Sunday school, uh, John 17, uh, about that. And uh, John 16 was uh, when basically the disciples basically are saying, Oh, you're not talking in riddles anymore, Jesus. We get you. We are now, we got you. And then Jesus says, like, This is the prayer in 17, and now this is go time. Okay, this is. Jesus fulfilling what he's doing. And so let's start in verse 1. He says this, When he, speaking of Jesus, had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. Okay, I'm going to stop there. I've always, I always love this. Judas knew where he was because Jesus went away a lot and prayed. He knew him by his fruits. He knew Jesus was going to get away. I know where. That's why Jesus, I know where Jesus is going. What, what a great aspect for us. Where do people assume you are? Where do people assume where you're going? What, if they would say, would, oh, that person, he gets away to prayer. What does he say? Or, man, that person loves watching Netflix. I know where to find that person. You know, like, they, Jesus is so seeking God, one with God. Him and God are one together, but they're seeking. What a great thing is, uh, to be right there. Verse 3, so Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priest and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, who is it that you want? I'm sorry, I love that part. Jesus, knowing everything, goes, comes to it, goes, who is it you want? I love that. Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, I am he, Jesus said, and Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he. They drew back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. So let's recap real quick. So Judas has been given these troops to capture Jesus. 
when Jesus states multiple times, he goes there, he goes, I am he. I let the men fall back. We'll get into that a little bit later. And then Jesus continues, I have not lost one of those you gave me. Okay. Think about it in your own life. What is something that you have lost? Have you lost anything? Most of you can think of something one time. Maybe you've lost car keys. Maybe you've lost a cell phone a long time. Uh, that is one of the uh, reasons why I did have an Apple Watch for the, uh, I like wearing it because a lot of times I'm like, where's my phone? And you can like ding it with your Apple Watch. I'm like, where is it? Because you lose it all the time. Some of you, you know, uh, have lost whatever it is, something that's important to you. Maybe you've lost, you know, where you are in the parking lot at Cedar Point when you're trying to impress your, you know, then girlfriend, now future wife. I like how someone said Kroger. Uh, just a normal day walking out of Kroger. So I uh, was living in Indiana, and my then girlfriend was living in Baltimore. And we would try to meet up and hang out. And I usually went out there, but we were like, hey, let's get some friends together. We'll meet at Cedar Point. We'll have a good time. So me, one of my friends, his name is Tim. Uh, but we call him T-Mac, so that should tell you a little bit about the story and who he is. And then he decides to bring a friend, and then so my wife then brings one of her friends. We meet up at Cedar Point. We're having a good time. We, we are there hanging out, and then all of a sudden, it's just me and Danielle. We're just, we're just eating. We're just having a nice little time eating. And then I get a text from my buddy T-Mac saying, hey, we've just been kicked out of the park. And I'm like, what happened? Why are you kicked out of the park? What's going on? Well, him and his buddy decided right at the top of the roller coaster, his buddy's like, oh, I'm going to take my seatbelt off. So it stopped there. And all of a sudden, so then security goes up, climbs up all the way, basically kicks him out, put these huge black marks on his hand so no reentry. So no reentry, and of course, then we have to go. So we have to get out, and all of a sudden we're like, ah. Oh. So we spent three fourths of the day there, but of course, me, I'm like, I want to keep hanging out. You know, we're still just sort of dating at this point, and of course, my friend's ruining the date. <laughs> but then, I didn't know where we parked. No one knew because I was blown away by the beauty of my girlfriend. I got lost in translation of where we are going, where we are at, what's going on, and all of a sudden. Now, this story's funny because if you knew this, I always know where we're at. My favorite thing, I love holding the door for my wife, but sometimes I don't love it because I love when she walks out the door and goes the opposite direction of the car every time. Every time. So it's like, it's a joy of mine. So I'm always knowing where to park it. But this day, we are lost. And you know you're lost when you even have a key fob that can like beep it and alarm it and you ain't hearing nothing. You're like, oh, I'm in Cedar Point looking, being lost. I will say we did find our way out. 45 minutes later. I can tell you when you are trying to impress something, someone, it felt a lot longer than 45 minutes. I was like, never going to talk to me again? What are we doing? Oh, but we made it. We as humans lose stuff all the times. Some of us lose stuff more than others. 
But losing a thing is a lot different than losing a loved one. It's a lot different than losing who you are. And it's definitely a lot different than losing your soul. Jesus is talking about how he is doing what he had already said that he would do. So this is John 18. Now let's go to John 6, 35 through 40, and we'll focus on 39. But John 6, 35 says this, giving you guys a second to get there. And it's also on the screen. He says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. That will preach. No, no, look look at verse 39. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but will rise them up at the last day. Unlike humans, Jesus doesn't lose anything. Now, you have to realize that we are fallen. We will make mistakes, but Jesus is faithful and he will not lose. Go back to John 18, and we're going to go verse 4. And I, I find this amazing question is what Jesus is basically saying Whom are you seeking? Who are you seeking? And they say Jesus is Nazareth, uh, Jesus of Nazareth. And what a great reminder of who are you seeking? Who should we be seeking after? And you have to remember, he knows that they are coming for his blood, not just coming to have a conversation. They know, he knows what they're coming for. He will be dying on the cross. And the first time that he says, I am here, they all draw back and fall to the ground. Jesus is just not declaring in his flesh who he is. He's declaring it with an I am statement. This is I am. And if we have time, we'll go back to it. But it's basically there's seven I am statements throughout John that are basically calling back to the Exodus story uh, when Moses sees sees him. And this is another one of Jesus' I am. This is I am he. This is a declaration that this is a divine moment. This is not just Jesus in the flesh. This is, this is a God. I am telling you who I am. And I like how uh, Dr. Tapp's commentary says this to add into God's authority. Here, our Savior let out a little beam of the majesty of his deity and 500 men fall before him. Just a little bit. I am he. And all of a sudden, all these, these are soldiers. These are men coming with lanterns and weapons. And they are coming. And Jesus is saying, I am basically giving myself to you because you have no authority here. 
You have no authority here. And here's another thing. This is Jesus in a fleshly body. You have no authority here. Because me and the God are one. That you can come with all the weapons you want. There's nothing you can do. But I will give myself up for you. That's a big difference. So many times, oh, Jesus died. Jesus, no, Jesus gave himself. And we have to remember that. As we continue to look at John 18, Jesus is in complete control of the situation. These men could do nothing. And what is amazing, think of what these men could have to deal with over the next few hours. Because even in a little bit, Peter cuts off an ear. And Jesus heals it. And we talked about this downstairs, but it is one of my favorite scenes in Passion of the Christ. The guy is literally on his knees because he just got his ear cut off. He's bleeding, and it's like, it's there, and all of a sudden, Jesus heals it, and then uh, the scene continues in the movie. So then Jesus is taken away to court. He starts going that way, and then about, it feels like five minutes, and it cuts back to the scene of the man with the broken, like the ear that's fixed, and he's still in the same position, still wondering what's going on, like still pondering. And you also have to think, these men just heard, I am, he, and they fall back, and then they have to decide, what is going on? Who is this man? They have to question it. These men were right in the middle of a God moment, and they experienced Jesus, but they too lost the moment. Have you ever been around people, you're like, how do you not get it? God's working in your life. God's done this in your life. And you're just like, how can you not see it? God himself is standing in front of these men. And you'll see he stands in front of Pharisees. He stands in front of kings. And he stands in front of poor people. He stands in front of And different people get it. And other people don't. They turn and walk away. And you're like, how do you not get it? Because we're human. We're selfish and we're fallen. And us too have to be careful not to miss God. They followed the orders from human leadership. They lost the correct authority and went back to human authority. This is the way the world runs in our life today. You're way too busy to read the Bible. You're way too busy to pray. You have a work project to do. You have a sports that you have to watch. You have another game you have to go to. You too can get caught up in the rat race of life and lose moments with God. Here's the thing. It's okay as us humans to lose like things in this world, but we better not lose our soul. We better not lose our hope and our trust in who Jesus is and who he says he is. So we're going to take a look at what usually happens when humans lose stuff. Okay? So what usually happens? You lost something. Number one, retrace your steps. You retrace your steps. This happened actually two weeks ago. I was talking with Brian and Robin, and then they went upstairs, and I grabbed something, and I was like, oh, I got to tell Robin something. I have a question I have to tell her. So I come running up the stairs, and right when I get up the top, uh, I realized I'm a little bit older. I forgot the question. 
So at that moment, I was like, oh. And then it's like that awkward, like, they both look at me. They see that I'm coming up the stairs. And I'm like, ah, uh, one second. And I literally go back downstairs trying to see if something will trigger the old brain back up. Retracing the steps. I will tell you, unfortunately, it did not until later that night. Came back up and still was like, ah, I will text you guys later. So one of those kind of moments. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the encouragement. That's why I love this church. Oh. But some of us, too, can get lost because we've decided to take over for God because we don't like the path God's taken us. Some of us don't like the path we're on at all. Or you're lost because you've fallen back into bad habits. Or you started to step away from God's path because that thing over there looks really shiny and really good to the eye. And so I'm going to sort of like that. Here's the thing. It does not take long to get lost. You see it all the time. People think that they are in control of a situation. They, they know how to handle it. And all of a sudden, they take a wrong turn here and a wrong turn there, and disasters all around. Me and my buddy one time, we talked about how many decisions would it take to totally destroy your life. And at first, I started like four or five. And then, Bob, that is the correct answer. You answered a little bit too fast, though. No, it, it's one. One decision. One decision can totally, radically change your life. And you can be lost. What makes you think that you are so special that you can take your own path away from God and you're still walking with him? You are not. That is a lie from Satan. It is a lie that you are fine to make your own decision. It is a lie that God doesn't have time for the small decisions. That it, do, that it doesn't matter how you interpret that or watch that show. All these things are just meant to get you lost. They are little things just to get you off the path of walking right with God. The first thing is that you must remember what path you're on and what path you're taking. There are people that don't want to be on God's path. I'm taking it most of you in here want to be on God's path or are walking on God's path and you want to stay on God's path. There are some that will not. Some see this path and they're like, no, it's too narrow. I don't want it. And they are fine being lost because they, in their minds they aren't lost. The problem is, when they do that, they are lost. And the question is, is, we have to ask is, we don't want to be lost. We must look at retracing our steps to get us back. And that might lead to point number two. Sometimes you got to backtrack. Sometimes you got to backtrack. If you get off track, you could stay off the track for a while. And there are consequences for being off track. You're lost. You took a turn here, you took a turn here, and all of a sudden you're lost. But you might have to go all the way back. You have to fight to get back to the trail. You might have hurt some people along the way. You might have to bushwhack it back home. 
And a lot of hikers, if they get lost, have to backtrack the whole way back just to get to back to where they started. All that energy and all that time seems wasted, but it's not truly wasted because you're back on the path because you're working back to get on God's trail. But do not get me wrong. It is work and time that could have been spent moving forward in God's direction. There is time lost. It says in Scripture multiple times, if you do, people don't get rise up, God will rise someone else up. This is not a salvation. We're not talking about that. It's not like, hey, you don't have salvation. But if you are unwilling, if you are lost, God will pull someone else to accomplish his goals. And the thing is, is sometimes when we get lost, we have to get back to what got us on the path in the first place. The thing that does frustrate me, and a little bit open and honest, the most is when people complain when they found what they are looking for, but then blame God on their way back to it. You're the one that got lost. Let me, I'll give you an example. An example would be that you lied to someone, and you lied for a while and kept lying. Then you realized that was wrong and asked for forgiveness. The forgiveness was there, but getting back to the time of trust when before you lied is hard work. You know, a lot of us expect like, oh, you've forgiven me, even though I lied for, to you for two years. And now all of a sudden, like, I want to go back to where it was. No, there's work to be done to build that trust back up, to build that foundation back up with someone. They're, they're, because there's been brokenness. There's been hurts. And sometimes we blame God. Oh, God, why'd you do that? You were the one lying for two years. You were the one off the path. You were the one down the, in a valley that made no sense. And then by the time you got back, you want everything back to when God wanted. No, there are consequences. There are consequences for lying. There are consequences for sin. There are consequences when you look at inappropriate images. There are consequences for a bunch of things that are outside of God's path. And we have to remember that. But if you retrace your steps and you remember to backtrack a lot of times, an example of finding keys. Okay, where was I? I know I started the car this morning. I know the car's home, so the cars, the keys are somewhere in the house. Okay, where did I go? I talked. Did the dog eat them? Nope, wasn't there. Like, you can start retracing your steps and go back through all these. Point number three, though, it usually comes to this option. There is joy in finding what was once lost. Don't when you find something, there's this joy? Like, yes! I, I remember I started losing the keys so much, my wife said, hey, let's, let's put the keys right here when you get in the house. So we always know where they're at. But there was joy to it. It's like, oh, thank you. I can tell you there was a joy when I did the beep beep at Cedar Point and I heard a honk honk. So yes! I was gone for 45 minutes and there was a joy. There was a relief. There was this amazing feeling for finding the car. How much more is it when you find Jesus and you're walking on the path and you were off and you're like, oh, what a joy. There's a peace because things are right. There is joy for those who repent and return to Christ. 
It was once lost and is now found. What a joy it is to be found. What a joy it is to not be lost anymore. Do you remember your salvation? Do you remember that, that joy of that first, uh? And I can tell you there's many times where I've repented and been like, I feel that joy. It, just again, just being, oh, I'm with God. I'm right. Because all of us have had that feeling when we know we've done something wrong, right? Right? Or am I the only one that's sinned in here? Like, well, we've done something, and we all know that wasn't right. I should have, mm, I should have handled that situation better with my wife. I should have handled my situation better with a friend, or I did this and did that. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, now i got to make things right. But what you know, when things are right, oh, it feels good. Because there's joy for what was once lost is found. But, number four, but there is a warning. If you lose something, you might never find it. There are many people who've walked away because they were truly never in the faith. This is why it is a dangerous game to play with your faith, to stop pursuing the Lord. Now, there are many people that don't want to search. There are many people on different paths that don't want to be on God's path. And there are a lot of people that believe that they're not lost. Now, the, the thing isn't, we're not going to get into the whole, like, hey, I lose your salvation or anything. No, this is having believing salvation, but now you have basically have been lost and you've gone away. And then there's some people that have never had. Say, oh, I believe in Jesus. I know who Jesus is. I've heard of Jesus, but never truly given their life. And now they're lost. Now hear me. Jesus will not lose you. Jesus will not lose you. You can get lost on your own. Jesus will not lose you. Verse 39, we just read it, and I'm going to keep going back to it. And this is the will of him who sent me, Jesus is talking, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but rise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks, that's not some who look, that's not a couple that look, it is everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Jesus is playing for keeps. Jesus is coming, and He's going to take it all. Oh, what a beautiful, trustworthy thing. What a beautiful loyalty that Jesus has. What a joy it is to know that He is faithful. He is trustworthy. He will not lose you. Our trust, our hope, our identity is in Him. The problem is when we get lost is our hope, our trust, our identities get in other things. That's when we get lost. That's when we are not fully being one, as you see throughout Jesus and John's talk, and being one with the Father. Because we are not making the impact that God wants. God wants us to be one with Him all the time. Just not on Sunday, not just on Tuesday night, just not on Saturday when you're hoping your college football team wins. No, all the time. 
can have assurance and rest in Him moving forward. Have you ever lost something and this is the first thing, I am never losing that again. I'm never losing it again. I'm putting the keys in that certain spot like I said. Or I'm, I found this picture and I'm putting it right here so everyone sees it and no one else. Like when you find something that's magnificent of Jesus, don't lose it. Have it ingrained in your heart, tattooed in your heart, tattooed in every aspect of your life because then all of a sudden you can't lose it. It's around you all the time. But if you do get off the path, use the scripture to find your way back. Use prayer to find your way back. Use the church to find your way back. Even believers can get off course. The problem is, is when we don't want to get back on course. I want you to know this is a joyful, positive celebration talk because Jesus is faithful and will keep his promises forever and ever. Those are just not words of, hey, hope you have a great day. No, these are words that your believing loyalty in him will. He won't lose you. Some of you have salvation in Jesus, but some of you have gotten an off path. I want you to hear this. You can have salvation, but you're off path. You still like the way the world makes you feel. You like the security that you think the world offers. And some of you have issues and you just don't want to deal with them. And some of you treat your significant other poorly and wonder why your relationship isn't working. And some of you live in sin and excuse it through the manipulation of the scriptures themselves. God will not lose you, but you can lose you. You can lose your way. That is why we meet on Sundays, to remember the path. That is why we trust in scripture, to not become lost. That is why we do discipleship groups, to help each other know the path and complete the path God has set forth for you. Jesus isn't lost and he will not lose you. So I'm going to end with four practical steps. Where are you at? You get to ask yourself where you're at on this. Number one, is it that you just realize that you're off of God's path and you need to retrace your steps? You're off a little bit. You need to retrace. Or is it number two is where there's a lot of wreckage on your path. You've gotten way off course and you have to bushwhack it all the way back or you have to backtrack all the way back. Or is it number three is that you've become so self-seeking that you're not even looking for God's path anymore. But you're looking for your path in everything. Or is it number four? Is that you are found, that you're not lost, and you have joy on God's path. Unlike Jesus, we can lose things and become lost. So I want you to, maybe mentally in your head, or if you're taking notes, I want you to circle one. Which one are you at? Where are you at? Are you like, I'm on the path. I'm on the path. Like, God, I, great. Have joy in that. But if you're off, I, I'm asking that. Maybe you share that with your discipleship group. If you don't have one of those, maybe you can uh, write it in the next steps area and turn it in the back because we'd love to meet. That's what the church is for, to help us to be on the path. We can get lost. Jesus does not. And he does not lose what is his. He does not lose what is his.
I'm going to finish up with the Wearsby quote. And it says this. Any garden, where Jesus was just at us too, but that brings you back to Adam. In a garden, the first Adam brought sin and death to mankind. But Jesus, by his obedience, brought righteousness and life to all who will trust him. Furthermore, by surrendering to the officers, Jesus helped to protect his disciples. He kept them safe, not only spiritually, but also physically. Jesus fulfilled his commitment to the disciples. He will fulfill his word to all mankind. If he is faithful to those guys, we can guarantee he is faithful to us. Let us worship.